Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different from the rest. Some of the West's most important gifts to humanity are the delightful holidays they've given us that enlighten and inspire the human mind and also bring families and peoples together. One of the most ancient and iconic holidays that we celebrate in the West is the Festival of Halloween, also called All Hallows' Eve, meaning an evening of holy persons. In this episode, we will discuss the haunted history of this spooky holiday, starting with the ancient tradition shared across almost every civilization of having a harvest festival. As I said, almost every civilization in antiquity had a harvest festival, a holiday to celebrate the bringing in of the food crop and explain the changing of the seasons. In the Northern Hemisphere, those festivals often occurred in the fall months of September, October, or November, coinciding with the time of the harvest, the days getting darker, the full moon, and the end of summer and the coming winter. The Hebrews' harvest festival was Sukkot, a time where the farmers would dwell in huts as they gathered the grain in their vast fields before bringing part of their harvest as a sacrifice to the temple. In ancient Persia, the holiday Megran was the harvest festival, and it was held in October. It was a day to give gifts to the king, a.k.a. tax day. It was also a day to give gifts to friends, family, and the less fortunate. These gifts could vary from a horse, if you were a wealthy prince, to an apple, if you were a poor farmer. Since 1600 BC, the Chinese have appointed the autumn full moon as the day to celebrate the harvest in an event that is called the Moon Festival or the Mid-Autumn Festival. It is celebrated with lighting lanterns, making floating lanterns, burning incense, sharing riddles, performing dances dressed in lion or dragon costumes, and baking and sharing sweet moon cakes. Meanwhile, on the Indian subcontinent, the Hindus have had their harvest festival, Diwali, since around 500 AD. It also is usually held in October. It is called the Hindu Festival of Lights. It symbolizes the spiritual victory of light over darkness, good over evil, and knowledge over ignorance. According to History.com, of all these harvest festivals, in spite of the similarities they share with Halloween, Halloween's true origins lie with the Celtic Harvest Festival, So On, which is held on October 31st and November 1st. A historian, James George Fraser, notes that this is somewhat late to have a harvest festival in the British Isles. Loaf Mass, for example, the British Harvest Festival, was held on the first day of August. Therefore, Fraser suggests that the Celts may have timed their holidays, like Sowine, with the pastoral seasons rather than the planting and harvesting seasons, which makes sense if you consider how expert the Gaelic people have always been at shepherding. Anyway, History.com gives an excellent synopsis of how Sowine was celebrated by these Celts. Quote, After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined with druid priests to light a community fire using a wheel that would cause friction and spark flames. The wheel was considered a representation of the sun and used along with prayers. Cattle were sacrificed, and participants took a flame from the communal bonfire back to their home to relight the hearth. Early texts present so on as a mandatory celebration lasting three days and three nights where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chieftains. Failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, usually illness or death. 
There was also a military aspect to Sowine in Ireland, with holiday thrones prepared for commanders of soldiers. Anyone who committed a crime or used their weapons during the celebration faced an immediate death sentence. Some documents mention six days of drinking alcohol to excess, typically mead or beer, along with gluttonous feasts, close quote. So, so far, this isn't sounding very Halloween-y. I mean, yes, Halloween does have parties, but excessive drinking and burning sacrifice wheels aren't exactly what first come to my mind when I think of Halloween. Plus, I hate that this original so-on was mandatory. It just makes parties so much less special when your boss or the king or karma is telling you that you have to have fun or else. Fortunately, historian Nicholas Rogers, author of Halloween from Pagan Ritual to Party Night, has taken the time to dig into the elements of so-on besides the date that continue in modern Halloween. He writes, For the Celts, this time of year held great symbolic significance, and it was said that many mythic kings and heroes died on Soan. Most importantly, Soan was viewed as a borderline or liminal festival as the separation between summer and winter, lightness and darkness. It was a time when the normal order of the universe is suspended and ritual transition and altered states were both possible and expected. Close quote. And so we see Soan marked the impending onslaught of the forces of darkness as the Celts recognized winter was coming. The Encyclopedia Britannica elaborates further on this, explaining that during this festival, the world of the gods was believed to be made visible to humankind, leading to supernatural tricks and trouble. Ghosts of the dead and spirits from the other world were also thought to return to the earth during Soan. The burning bonfires were thus used to appease deities during this time as a protective measure from evil, otherworldly beings, and offerings were left out for other visiting mischievous spirits. Tricks and pranks were often played, but they were blamed on fairies and spirits during the three-day period when the line between the two worlds blurred. History.com further notes that Druids, or Celtic priests, thought that the presence of otherworldly spirits made it easier to make predictions about the future. At the bonfires of the festival, fortune-telling was done alongside sacrifices, and many participants also donned costumes, often masquerading as animals or beasts, in hopes of fooling spirits who might want to harm them. So now we're starting to see some more familiar Halloween elements, like being haunted by the dead, lighting fires, playing pranks, and even wearing masks. You'll notice many more familiar Halloween traditions as this holiday passes from the pagans' hands to the Christians. It was about the 4th century AD when various Christian communities in Turin, Edessa, and Antioch began celebrating a new holiday, All Saints' Day. This holiday usually lined up with Pentecost, and it came to be known as the Feast of All Saints or All Hallows' Day or even Hallowmass in the British Isles. Hallow being the old English word for a saint. The feast soon spread to the rest of the Christian world. Curiously, by the 9th century, the Christians in Ireland, Scotland, and Bavaria were celebrating All Saints Day six months after everybody else, on the 1st of November. Some historians suggest that the moving of this date was done by the Irish monks, who intended to replace Soan as the Christian-approved Day of the Dead and these influential Irish monks in turn convinced other Northern European Christians to move the holiday as well. Eventually, a Northumbrian priest managed to convince King Charlemagne himself to move the holiday to November 1st. Thus, he changed the date for vast swaths of Europeans. 
By 835, Pope Gregory IV made the Frankish Emperor Louis the Pious declare All Saints' Day a day of obligation throughout the Frankish Empire. In the 11th century, All Souls' Day, a festival to pray for and honor the faithful departed, was moved to November 2nd to coincide with All Saints' Day. As these feast days absorbed so on, the festival took on new customs, particularly in Ireland. Since the Catholic Irish had a strong belief in purgatory, a place people's souls go to after death in order to be purified for heaven, the Irish used All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day as a time for prayers for the dead to help them in purgatory and join the ranks of the hallows up in heaven. Lighting candles during these memorials served as a way to kindle a light for the poor souls languishing in darkness. This was combined with a tradition whereby children impersonated the spirits or the souls of the dead and received offerings on their behalf. They would do this by wearing things to represent their departed family, but eventually this would morph into the wearing of a white sheet to be a ghost, or to dress up as a skeleton or other dead thing. As the costuming tradition morphed, author Eddie J. Smith, in his book Halloween, Hallowed is Thy Name, suggests that by dressing up as creatures who at one time caused us to fear and tremble, people are able to poke fun at Satan, whose kingdom has been plundered by our Savior. The offerings these children received door-to-door were soul cakes, a round, shortbread biscuit with spices. Eventually, different countries put different spins on this tradition. In some places, the children were required to sing to get the treat. In others, children were required to pray with the family. By the late 1800s, in Scotland and Ireland, it had almost fully evolved into modern trick-or-treating, with children in masks carrying lit turnips going around house to house asking for coins. So these Christian traditions were all happening November 1st and 2nd, so where does Halloween October 31st come into this? Well, in the liturgical calendar, it's common the night before a major Christian holiday to hold a vigil, where you stay up late to go to church, hear sermons, sing hymns, and say prayers. The vigil for All Hallows Day is called All Hallows Evening, which was shortened to Halloweenin', and eventually to Halloween. During the Halloween vigils, Christians would gather together and pray for their kindred dead, remember those in the parish who had died, and sing hymns like For All the Saints. After Martin Luther posted his 95 theses on October the 31st, 1517, Hallow Evening took on even more meaning. For many in Europe, it became Reformation Day. And since the Protestants didn't really believe in purgatory like the Catholics did, They tried to toss aside all those spooky beliefs about praying to help your ancestors get out of purgatory and become saints. Nevertheless, those beliefs were preserved in Catholic Ireland, and it was those Irish who brought those beliefs to the New World, to the Catholic colony named Maryland in the 17th century. Those early Irish Catholic immigrants to the New World were soon reinforced after the 1845 potato famine, where one million Irish died, Three million of them felt compelled to move to America, and they made the Halloween tradition even more widespread across the country, eventually gaining acceptance around the U.S. and Canada, regardless of a person's religion, race, or creed. It was during this time that somehow, in America, the All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and Hallow Evening traditions all got wrapped up into one night. But this change wasn't universal. Central American countries, for example, celebrate Halloween the 31st, followed by Dia de los Muertos, a holiday to celebrate and remember ancestors on November 1st and 2nd. The consolidating of the holidays wasn't the only change that happened as the holiday moved to America. 
The Halloween celebrators here found far few turnips to help with the trick-or-treating, and so they replaced the turnip with the pumpkin, which, to their delight, they found to be much larger and therefore easier to light up than a turnip. Americans already had a fall tradition of carving pumpkins, and so this synthesized easily with the new holiday. Since the 20th century, Halloween has continued to spread as a tradition. In the year 2020, Halloween was celebrated by about 58% of Americans. Thankfully, with the totalitarian darkness of that year in our rearview mirror, we are now reaching record-breaking levels of Halloween observance. 73% of Americans plan to celebrate this year. 85-90% to 90 of U.S. children plan on going trick-or-treating or engaging in other Halloween festivities this year, and around 65% of U.S. adults between 18 and 34 will attend Halloween costume parties or other celebrations. The festival will be celebrated with similar enthusiasm in Canada and the UK, and it has rising popularity in places like Australia, Belgium, France, Greece, India, Japan, Poland, Singapore, the UAE, and Korea. In all, 37 countries will officially celebrate Halloween this year, but America will likely take the cake in spending for it, with an estimated $12 billion being spent on costumes, decorations, and food this year. 200 million of those dollars will be spent on pet costumes alone. 18,000 metric tons, or 10 million pumpkins, will be grown and sold this year in the UK, and 900,000 metric tons of pumpkins will be grown in the US. Over 90% of these are used as Halloween decorations. This is great, but I also recommend eating them. Their seeds and flesh are very much delicious and particularly good as pies. That concludes our episode on Halloween. As you can see, in spite of large swaths of the world celebrating the harvests and autumn during this time of year, Halloween's many unique quirks such as ancestor devotion, treat sharing, mischief making, costumes, and pumpkin lighting stem from the fusion of Catholic, Celtic, Protestant, and American customs, creating a delightful holiday that is distinctly Western and very fun. So here's wishing you a very holy evening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and share with a friend. Also, consider supporting this podcast to keep us going at podcasters.spotify.com. For more information on this topic, check out the sources listed in the description. I'm Doug Archway, and that's History for You.